friends, will you pray with me? Holy God, we enter into your presence with great expectations. May the meditations of our hearts and minds and the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. For you, O God, are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, there has never been a better time to stop attending church. There you are. There you are. Doris. See? Doris, I said that a couple of weeks ago, and Doris did exactly what I want. What? What does that mean? Well, friends, uh, that is, uh, what that means is that we don't want to be consumers of worship and church. We want to be the church, right? We want to be the church. And during this sermon series uh, called Worship Plus Two, we have been learning about how we are the church. And so if what we mean by attending church is we simply come into this beautiful favorite space that we've learned to love and we sit on the pew, we sing a few songs, we talk with our friends, we say some prayers, and then we maybe even share in communion around the table, and then we leave and we take nothing of this with us, then we have only attended church. One of, one of the, uh, the uh, great theologians today says that we have become consumers of ritualistic form of group therapy in our churches. That it becomes some kind of self-serving place in which we go to get our weekly feel-good buzz. That's what it means to attend church. So unless we allow church to shape us, unless we let God shape us through the, the acts of worship, we are simply attending church. So let's stop attending church. Instead, let's engage in worship when we come to this place. This is one of the most exciting times and challenging times to be the church right now. I talked about last week how our faith is constantly under scrutiny during these days. Everything that we understood about what it meant to be a Christian has now been questioned, but we have such opportunities, friends. Opportunities to engage in, in creative endeavors to reach people in new and significant ways. People that maybe we would not have met or even engaged or impacted because we did church the way we used to do church. Instead, we are being called to let these intentional behaviors form us and shape us shape our Christian lives so that we are the church. Everything about us tells everyone we meet that we know Jesus and that we are in love with Jesus and we are in love with everyone we meet. And it's a good place to be. We've been talking about during this worship series uh, three intentional behaviors that help shape us into that church. One is to commit to service at least once a month. 
putting our faith at work as a living witness outside the walls of, these, of these, uh, this sanctuary, perhaps by passing out food at the food uh, pantry, perhaps a mobile food bank, and, or, or doing things for others in the community. This work, when we, enge- when we commit to serve, that work shapes our exterior Christian life. It shapes how people see us how they experience us. And then we said another one is to connect with a group, connect with a group at least on a weekly basis. These small groups are a place where we're known. We're known well enough that all those who do life with us in those groups can call us into accountability for the Christian life that we seek to live. The work we do in these small, accountable groups shapes our interior Christian life. It shapes and forms our hearts and our minds so that when we engage in service and people look at us and see our exterior Christian lives, they can also see the interior light shining through. The interesting thing is that The third behavior, which is to engage in worship, is that thing that ties both of these together. We engage in worship at least weekly, and in doing so, we allow God to shape both our interior and our exterior lives in significant ways. We allow God to integrate them through the practice of worship. The Israelites were sent away out of Judah, and they were living in Babylon. They began to practice Sabbath because it was the one thing that separated them from the foreigners in the land that they lived. It showed the whole world that they were distinctively different because they practiced Sabbath. But... The Sabbath was was becoming a ritual for them. It was losing its meaning because it wasn't taken out of their, their place of worship and put into practice in every day. They had lost the meaning of, of worship. They wanted to show the Sabbath to their oppressors, but instead they left the Sabbath and they were the oppressors of their own people. And so the prophet calls them out. The prophet speaks to them through the, the voice of the Lord. I want you to listen to this scripture today. It's a long one, but it, in it, God talks about about worship that is shallow, and worship that loses its meaning. And then God talks about worship that takes its meaning out into the community and is life-giving. And then God talks about the promises and the blessings that come from this life-giving worship. I'll be reading from Isaiah 58, verses 3 all the way through 14, the end of the chapter. Listen to the word of God. Why do we feast, but we do not see? 
Why humble ourselves, but we do not notice? Look, you serve your own interests on your fast day and oppress all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. And then God speaks. Is such the fast that I choose a day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? And then he, he reimagines what worship looks like. And God continues, he says, Is not this the fast that I choose to loosen the bonds of injustice, to undo the throngs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and to bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked or cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up quickly and the vindicator, which is the righteous one, shall go before you The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. And then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of fingers and the speaking of evil like a malicious talk, If you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the need of the afflicted, then your light shall be in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong again. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose water never fails. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall rise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach or repairers of the broken walls, the restorers of the streets to live in, a place abounding in dwellings. And if you refrain from the trampling of the Sabbath, from pursuing your own interests on my holy day? And if you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, serving your own interests, or pursuing your own affairs, then you shall take delight in the Lord. And I will make you ride upon the heights of the earth, I will feed you with the heritage of your ancestors, Jacob. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Thanks be to God for the reading and the hearing of this, his holy scripture. Amen. So the prophet kind of is laying out this disjointedness between the Sabbath and the rest of the week. Fasting, which is a common practice during Sabbath for the Israelites, 
and prayer means nothing if they are not put into action throughout the rest of the world. When they leave Sabbath, when they take it with them, to fast, they understood, was to empty one's soul so that God could fill it up. But when they leave that place and they engage in life as they normally saw it, was to fill it up not with what God desires, but what they desired. So to fast on the Sabbath and take advantage of their neighbor on Monday was to miss the point of worship altogether. The community had lost their sight in this meaning of worship and, and how God uses these works of piety to shape not only the individual, but also the community. There's nothing wrong, friends, with doing these spiritual practices that help us connect with God. Practices like fasting and praying or any other means of grace when they're appropriately motivated, when they become something that we do to align our interior and our exterior Christian lives, then they are appropriately motivated. If they are to call everyone's attention to us, then they lose their effect. John Wesley talked about these works of piety as a means of grace. These means of grace is a way through which God sanctifies us. God aligns our interior and exterior lives. Some of these means of grace are um, identified and practiced individually, and some of them are done in community. Individually, we can practice things like searching the scriptures, Bible study every single day, reading, listening for the word of God in our lives, prayer, fasting, attending worship, although I'm going to say engaging in worship, healthy living, taking care of this body that God gave us, and sharing our faith with others. All of those, John Wesley says, are, are means by which God shapes our internal and external lives. It helps us grow into maturing Christians. And then there's communal practices, like celebrating the sacrament that we will today, gathering around the Lord's table and, and celebrating that which God has done for us. To come together as a community and to baptize. We don't do these individually. We don't take communion in isolation. We don't baptize in private ceremony. We do it in community because that's where God reaches out and touches us. That's where God aligns our internal and external lives. That's how God integrates the two. These means of grace is the way that God reveals God's self to us. Many of us can can even point to a time when we received Holy Communion or stood at the baptism of a child and recognized that only God, only God can do this. And when we see this God, we take delight in the Lord, as the prophet tells us. 
It's the way that God helps us integrate both our personal relationship with God and our public relationship with God through our neighbors. So this worship, this worship that we do together every single week in this lovely space becomes the way that we integrate, the way that we do both pulling together both our lives through the groups and through service and integrates them. I learned this week uh, about something called the, and I'm going to not say this right, but Mobius strip. If you are a mathematician, you know, I, I see, I see some nodding heads. This is the Mobius strip, right? And so what we know about this piece of paper, right, a line, is that when we put it together, it makes a full circle, right? Here's the deal. There are two surfaces when we attach them this way. There's the interior, and if you run your, your finger along the interior, you cannot go to the exterior. And there's the exterior surface, and when we run our finger along the exterior, we cannot go to the interior. Here's what happens when we engage in worship. We twist it. God twists it. And then when we put it together, we have a different kind of surface. One complete whole surface. A surface that when we run our finger along the interior, we eventually come to the exterior of that surface. And from the exterior, we go back into the interior. It's connecting, integrating both our interior and our exterior lives. Engaging in worship allows us to take our interior life into every corner of our exterior lives and lets us delight in the Lord. Friends, worship doesn't end with our postlude. Worship continues with the postlude. It sends us out into the world so that we can become the light in the darkest corners. So let's stop attending church. Let's start engaging in worship. And let us go forth to be that light in the world. Thanks be to God. Amen.